0: I'm Barry Kittrell, um, I'm an elder here at the church, but uh, I'm just here more importantly to introduce our, our guest speakers today. Um, just to give you a, a tidbit, uh, I actually experienced this as a, a young man growing up in Ashland. We had Gordon Thiessen, Gordon, raise your hand, Gordon, up in front. So Gordon and Coach Brown uh, have formed a ministry called Kingdom Sports. Uh, Gordon was a longtime FCA, Uh, director out in central Nebraska and and he's just been an amazing uh, partner in ministry with with lots of different ministries but I can tell you that Gordon came to Ashland in 1980 is that right so I was a middle school junior high back then um, and it certainly impacted me and and so I can say any of you young people in this crowd let me tell you, this is something you may always remember um, because it's it's such an impactful thing, especially during the season, um, which we don't have right now. But I think it's so cool that these guys are willing to, instead of play on Saturdays, they're coming out on Sundays to be able to share uh, about Jesus and, and truly what's important to them. And, and so this is the first stop on a tour that they're going to take possibly it could be interrupted with play who knows but if it's not they're gonna go out to towns all over Nebraska and they're gonna they're gonna share the gospel and they're gonna share about uh, their story about Jesus Christ and that relationship and so um, coach Brown I first met in 1986 Uh, he looks exactly the same to me Uh, he might be even a little bit more ripped than he was back then but the, the the consistent thing about coach Brown if you know him he just absolutely pours out about Jesus. And I just, I love that Coach Frost brought him back into the fold um, in Nebraska. So let's, with that, let's welcome up Coach Ron Brown, and and, uh, he'll introduce the Huskers. Hey, thank you very
1: much. What what an honor to be here. Um, Riverview, thank you very much for inviting us, being a part of this. I know Gordon's relationship with Barry and Pastor here. Have helped open doors such as this. But uh, you people coming out, any pastor that would entrust the pulpit kind of near the last minute, like Pastor has here, wow, that's a trusting guy. And uh, to get these guys to come, it didn't take a written invitation. Uh, they love Jesus Christ, love the Lord. These three guys are just three of the guys that I work with a lot, there's a, a number of guys. But these three right here probably are the hungriest. You can tell when people are extremely hungry. And they can't get enough of Bible study. They can't get enough of the Word of God. They're always wanting to go through scriptures. We've been through books, Ecclesiastes. Uh, We've been through uh, Haggai. We've been through the portions of the New Testament, the book of James. We've been through Nehemiah. We've been through uh, Ezra. You know, we've, we've, we've talked about a lot of different issues. And they keep coming back for more. So what an honor it is to be here. And I appreciate Gordon with Kingdom Sports opening up doors all over the state. And, you know, we. Barry's right. I mean. Listen, they can cancel the season, but they can't. They cannot cancel out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when and when we. When these guys here, because whether they play or not they're living out Christ so when they're out there playing they're playing in the name of Jesus Christ doing their work heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men but when they're uh, not playing they're doing the same thing and one of the most makes sense things to do because they're articulate about their faith in Jesus Christ is to wherever there's opportunity let's come on out so I feel bad for those in the southeast conference and the Big 12 in the ACC because they don't enjoy the opportunity that our guys are getting to enjoy about presenting the reality of the of Jesus Christ through the Word of God and services like this so I, I praise God so you, it doesn't matter we're circumstance free we're not gonna roll over and be dead because the life of Jesus lives through us and so let me uh, let me introduce uh, each one of them here we'll start off with uh, uh, the guy in the middle there—that's Ryan Schomers. Uh, Ryan is from Norfolk, Nebraska. He's an outside linebacker. Has grown tremendously in his faith. Uh, this guy does a ton of stuff around the state. He's already going out and and sharing Christ at a bunch of different rallies and fifth-quarter events for FCA. But as a guy that uh, uh, he's been impacted for Christ since he was like 10 years old, and. Uh, so he and his dad, strong Christian family in Norfolk, so we're happy to have Ryan here. Um, the next guy is Lane McCallum, and Lane is a safety force. You might know him and remember him as a, as a, as a uh, spur-of-the-moment kicker for us. Had to kick a game-winning uh, field goal for us against Northwestern, but Lane is a safety. Uh, he's from Norfolk. These two guys grew up together. That's a cool thing. A lot of guys I grew up with, they did not want to hear anything about Jesus Christ. These two guys have the privilege of of being able to enjoy college ministry together on teams. And so we really appreciate Lane being here as well. And then of course, the last one here is somebody you all recognize, Ben Stiller. Of course, Ben uh, right here from Ashland. I tell you, Ashland's got a lot of D1 athletes, man. For a little itty bitty town, you got a lot of big guys who are strong and fast. And uh, playing Division One college football. And uh, I know that, that Ben has been impacted by, uh, certainly by Barry. Um, and, you know, I, I remember Barry back in the day, uh, his smile. When you play fullback and you can keep smiling, there's something inside that's a little different. Because fullbacks are, you know, those guys are, they got them ugly faces and broken noses. And, you know, their noses are turned sideways and all that. Barry always looked good, man. He always had the spirit of the Lord, and he was very aggressive. And you know, I love to see from generation to generation. His son Bo played for me for a little while at the University of Nebraska. And I saw the same spirit in Bo. You know, that I'm not saying they're exactly identical, but there's something that that that's that continues on because of Jesus Christ. There's a fire inside when he hits you. The fire is not a literal fire, but it's within and it comes out, and it cannot be contained. So I love uh, seeing that out of the, uh, the Kitchell family. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna interview these guys a little bit, let them speak a little, and, and then uh, when we're done, I'll, I'll share a little, and then we'll let you guys go. But I do wanna say something about college sports for a minute. And that is, you know, 40 years ago was my last college football game. Um, and 40 years ago, man, and I had just come to know Christ. At that time, and the reason why Jesus Christ w- became a reality in my life was basically a college teammate. It was a college teammate who he didn't play very much, but he had one of those grins on his faces. He had the joy of the Lord. You know the uh, the the I think it's Romans 14 uh, uh, verse 17 that says, you know, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. It's about the joy of the Lord. It's about righteousness, peace, and the joy of the Lord. I saw the joy of the Lord coming out this guy in the middle of football practice. He didn't always share and witness with me. Had a Bible study going. I never went. But I saw the Bible study between the lines of the football field, between the hash marks. I saw the Bible study all the time in practice. I saw him living out his faith. And we've challenged these guys here. And they've challenged me and us as well to take the Word of God into the locker room, and take it to the Bible study rooms on the team, and take it to the post-game prayer, but also take it to the sidelines. Take it out of the film study and onto the fields. It's Ben Stilley making a pass rush move on a poor offensive lineman trying to block him in the name of Jesus Christ. Take him right back to the quarterback, Ben. March him right back there. and so. It's about doing your work heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. So, I'm going to, uh, uh, with that, you got it, Ryan. Yes, sir. I'm going to start off with Ryan here. Uh, Ryan, uh, you know, we've talked about the gospel a lot and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned, 40 years ago, somewhere around this time, uh, Jesus became a reality for me. I, I recognized his death, his resurrection on the cross. I saw it lived out. I left the old and and joined the new, a new life in Christ. What does the gospel mean to you? Talk to us. Can you hear? Hello? All right, there, there you go, bro. Hey, everyone. Um,
2: so how the gospel's been laid out to me as is- Really in four simple words, God, man, Christ response. And so the God piece, God, he's an all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe. And he created us, he created man. But the thing is, the man piece, man, our sin, when we sin, separates us, divides us from that perfect image that God created us in. And so the good news is Christ. He came in, Son of God, and took on our punishment, took on our sin, so that we don't have to. But the we don't have to part is the response. We have to respond to that, the God, man, Christ. Respond knowing, hey, it's not what I do, but it's what Jesus has done on the cross for me. And I don't have to earn my way into heaven. I just need to accept Jesus into my heart and declare Him as my Lord and Savior. And so... That's what the gospel is, has been laid out to me as, but as far as how it's impacted my life, it brings me peace. It brings me peace knowing that in so much uncertainty right now with COVID, with the season, not having a season, with even the election, I mean, the one certain thing that I can always count on is my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I can always count on just praying with Him, uh, to Him, whenever I need, uh, even during a practice. Um, or even during an exam or a Zoom class since oh, yeah. practice is unknown. So,
1: Ryan, uh, just talk to us a little bit about before you came to Christ, what did the man piece look like in your life? Yeah, so the man piece,
2: I mean, it, it's kind of like, you kind of got this, <sighs> I grew up in the church. I grew up feeling like I was doing all the things, the checklist, you know, and But I didn't really know if I was owning that faith and if, or it was more so my parents. And I was still not very aware of how powerful the sin has been in my life. And then I went to the Freedmen Conquest where Coach Brown was the speaker. And he talked about um, those impure thoughts and how those are sins. And he gave us rubber bands and you put it on your wrist. And anytime you'd have an impure thought, you'd click it and you'd feel literally what that pain and what that sin is. My wrist got pretty sore after a few days. And I knew like, okay, I feel this impact. I understand there is sin in my life. I was 10 years old, Um, but there is sin in my life and there still is, but I understand my need for a savior. I understand I, I can't do this alone. Only Jesus can do this with me.
1: You know, Ryan, uh, of course, I wasn't trying to create a masochistic attitude out of you there. But, <laughs> but, uh, but it's a reminder, not only of the pain it brings you when we sin, when we're out of the will of God, when we're out of fellowship and relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. But even after a belie- after we become believers, when we sin... And First John chapter 1 verse 8 reminds us that we still sin as believers. We're covered now with the blood. It's been paid. It's paid now. It's paid forward forever. But still, that does not give us a green light to say, well, I'm saved and I can sin in whatever I want because I know when I die, I'm in the team picture. I know that I know that I'm going to heaven. No, there's still the broken heart of God and you know that that's that picture of pain so how, how does can you talk about the broken heart of God when you sin uh, the grieving over your sin what that's kind of like well I guess I mean God
2: created us in his image and when we broke that, we divided ourselves from him. I mean, he's sad about that. He wants us to be in relationship with him. And that's what that response piece of the gospel is. No longer do we have to not be in the image of Christ. We can live out every single day. Yeah, we're going to sin. We're not going to have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. But not having to do it alone and knowing that if I'm pursuing Christ, if I'm getting into the word and I'm talking with Coach Brown and going, you know, going to church, working on that relationship... Christ sees that. He sees that I'm working on it and that I'm not just giving up, throwing in the towel, and just accepting sin in my life.
1: That's good. How does that uh, transfer to the field? Because I think a lot of times, Ryan, we have a tendency of compartmentalizing our faith. We have a tendency to think, well, we did a chapel before, we did a a post-game prayer after the game, but during the three hours of the game, everybody just goes to hell. (laughs) You know, we don't really think much about the Lord. How has Bible study and your continual maturity and growth in Jesus Christ changed your view of how you even look at sports now, football?
2: Right. So, in Bible study, uh, Coach has mentioned a few times already today, Colossians 3.23, in everything you do, work heartily as unto the Lord and not unto man. And so that in everything, peace is talking about not compartmentalizing your faith. It's so easy, like he said, to go to church, say your prayers at night, and think that's my God time, the rest of the week's mine, including practice. But no, that verse says, God says, it's in everything. So that means every rep in practice, every lift, every exam I take, it needs to be heartily maxing out for the Lord, everything I have heartily for the Lord and not for man. And so how that has helped me change my view in sports is I know that I just have one, an audience of one. It's just Jesus Christ, it's not man. So I could be out under Memorial Stadium with 90,000 fans, but I'm only concerned about one, one thing. How does How is Christ viewing me right now? Am I maxing out giving my full effort for him? Um, and when there's no games, like it's in everything. So I understand, hey, I'm studying for an exam right now. That, that's that's what God has called me to do. But I can still do that with everything I have heartily for God and not for man.
1: Amen. Yeah, I hope you heard what he said. Because I think we tend to put Christ on the mantle for a while during the rest of the week. And maybe we're in business or we're in sports or this, that, and the other. We don't think very much until it's FCA night or church service. We don't really think about him very much. But... We are to be continually in his presence, constantly, and it's not a forced deal, it's an overflow. There's a verse in Colossians, we've been talking about the letter to Colossians where Paul says he, he's rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of light. Man, if you've, been on a, if you've been rescued from something, you are, I mean, you're like, I can't stop thinking about that one who's rescued me. But the reason why we stop thinking about Jesus Christ is because we don't think it was such a great rescue mission. That's what we must be thinking. We must be thinking, that's not a big deal. I wasn't all that bad, and you know I, I, know, I, I know the Lord now. I've been brought up in the right family. We don't understand the gospel when we think that way. So for, for what Ryan has said here, his response, a passionate plea to live His faith out in every realm, whether it's football, in class. Outside, his relationships, etc. It's pretty powerful. I appreciate that, Ryan. Thank you. Yeah, all right. Great. All right, his high school teammate is Lane McCallum. Elaine, Lane, when he came out of high school, first went to the Air Force Academy. Understands a little bit about discipline and all those kinds of things. But, um, yeah, Lane is uh, also plays safety for us. And, um has also had to pick up kicking duties from time to time. But I'm going to ask Lane this. Lane, what's the greatest lesson regarding your faith in the midst of all that's happening around the world today? Um, What what, what would you say is your greatest lesson right now? Um, Well, I've had to reflect a little bit about that.
3: Um, But I think that the ability um, to be shaken or not shaken over these past couple of months These past six months have been probably a roller coaster for everyone here. Um, Everyone's been affected by this. Um, But like Coach Brown said, we are going to try and live our life circumstance-free. And that means we can't listen to the voices and all the trouble that's going around in our world. Um, We can't listen to that and let that affect what we do every single day. Um, So I, I say that. And try and focus on one voice, and that's the Lord. Um, So, through that, He commands us to uh, do certain things, and one of those is to be a disciple of men. Go make disciples of men. And in order to do that, we have to shine our light every single day. Um, And so, the verse that we have learned is to do our work heartily unto the Lord and not unto men. So, how do we shine our light? We're going to work our butts off every single day to make the most of every single opportunity that we do, whether that be on the football field, in the classroom, whether that be in the job, it doesn't matter. We have to make the most of every single opportunity just to shine that light for people who don't know what that light looks like. And so that goes to my next point. God says to love the Lord with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. So what that means is if we truly love God, that means we have to love every single neighbor. And when I mean that, I mean every single neighbor. There are a lot of people in this world that don't know the gospel. And if we seclude ourselves to just other believers, those guys are never going to be able to know the gospel. So how we do that is to love them and to shine that light and make the most of that. Be intentional with every single person that you encounter with. And over these past couple months, you may not be able to see as many people. So you definitely have to make the most of every opportunity with every person that you know and shine that light. How am I gonna impact somebody today? You have no idea what kind of impact you have on that person. So whether it be today, with us speaking to you guys, or on Monday, or Tuesday now since it's Labor Day weekend. Tuesday on 8 a.m., you're going to work. How am I going to impact somebody's life? How am I going to shine that light and make God known? And that's by loving your neighbor. So that's that's kind of what I've learned over the past couple months and I've tried to put an emphasis on.
1: You know, Lane, uh, we, you, you and Ryan and I, we were going through the book of Romans, and uh, we've also been through the book of James. Um, we've seen the accountability, we've seen the love of that Paul had in the book of Romans for his fellow Jews, who he came out of that Judaistic lifestyle um, where he didn't know Christ, where he was converted, um, obviously became a very powerful Christian for the Lord. But he had a longing, that kind of longing that you're talking about um, for the unsaved. And so I guess what I want to ask you, t- tell us a little bit what a college locker room is, with guys from all over the country, what's that look like? Because a lot of people haven't walked into a locker room like that and even, they may not even understand culturally what that looks like, the different backgrounds people come from, uh, people who would understand the gospel versus not. you want to give us a, a picture of that? Um, well, I think it's, it's similar to
3: an everyday job. There's so many different types of people, so many different cultures, and I think that's what makes sports so great. Is that you get to interact with literally every part of life, um, every journey. Um, And there's a lot of people on our team that don't know Christ. And to be in a locker room where, with people that don't know Christ, and there's a lot of words getting tossed around um, that are not Christ like, we have the opportunity to make a change and stand up and say, hey, that's not cool. Or, not participate in um, talking about disrespecting women or other people around our coaches. Um, So I think that um, for us, we have to be leaders in that and be bold and um, make sure that that's not happening in the locker room. And to be able to sit next to somebody at a locker who doesn't know Christ and be intentional with him and show your love and show your light that God's given in your heart, um, I think it's really cool because there's so many opportunities with so many other teammates that don't know Christ and that's, so that's kind of a pro and con there's not a lot of people on our team that know Christ but at the same time that's a lot of opportunities to
1: shine your light So, hmm. yeah I love uh, that, that's a, I love that, that you have committed yourself to that uh, Lane because a lot of us love the crowd I mean I think we all love to be around people who agree and think just like us who look like us, who sound like us, who are on the same political party as us, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the Lord oftentimes will thrust you, particularly in a world of college football, in the midst of, a, of where you might be the only one who thinks like you do. So how now shall you stand? And I can't help but think, and we challenge these guys on this, stop just following the crowd. Stop waiting for the crowd to give the direction before you step out for the Lord. For example, Punches Pilate. Mark chapter 15, verse 15. Trying to figure out what to do with Jesus. Kind of caught in the middle. Knowing that Jesus was innocent. Wanting to do something about that innocence, but afraid of what the crowd says. It says this, wishing to satisfy the crowds. Wishing to satisfy the crowds. Punches Pilate. Wishing to satisfy the crowds. If you look at Luke's version, Luke 23, verse 23. I love how the numbers. Work out like that sometimes. Luke 23, verse 23 says, And the voices prevailed. And the voices prevailed. And the voices prevailed. Everybody in our culture today is afraid of being canceled. They're scared. And we all have that fright. We don't want to be disreputed. But let me tell you something. He said a very important word here. Bold. We are called to be bold. Because when you've been rescued, you will never have a problem standing up and shouting to the entire world, I've been rescued. Amen. And let me tell you who did it.
0: Jesus.
1: Amen. Amen. So, I, I appreciate that. Now, that doesn't mean he sets up, uh, you know, a, a wooden bench in the locker room and says, whoremongers and all you sinners and all this. That's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes those voices... Are very quiet they're subtle sometimes it's observing a guy right before he's got a kick a game-winning or game losing kick where his teammates observe that he's already missed one earlier in the game and now it's crunch time so Lane just last question take us to that moment what was your thought process as you were getting ready to line up for that kick against Northwestern?
3: Um, That thought process had been trained for years and years and years before that, I think. Um, And it all starts where I grew up and sports was everything to me. And unfortunately, I let that consume me. I let coaches and trying to win championships and trying to get division one scholarships, all that I consumed and wanted that's the only thing I wanted in this life. I didn't care about anything else. And eventually that led to being let down, being lied to, uh, getting my hopes up, and all that eventually broke me. And the only reason I was able to go up and be confident in kicking that field goal was because after that damage had been done, I found Christ at an FCA weekend of champions. He showed me that God doesn't really care about what you do on this earth other than follow him with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and go make disciples of men. And that is all that needs to be done. Um, So make or miss a field goal, it don't really matter. What the people are gonna think of me as, doesn't really matter. The Lord's got me. So I think that when I lined up for that kick, um, I didn't even care about the outcome. I just wanted to do the best for the Lord, and no matter what happened, I was going to praise Him. Amen. So that goes back to where, circumstance-free, we can have a bad day. We can have things that out of our control hurt us, but are, are we going to let that sulk and let that hurt us, or are we going to continue to make the most of it? And... Um, When I lined up for that kick, my eyes were on on the Lord, and I wanted to do the best for the Lord. I didn't care about what the papers were going to think of me, what my coaches were going to think of me. I just wanted to do the best for the Lord.
1: Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. You know, I appreciate that, Lane. And I would say this, too. When you have an attitude of peace, and anxiety is not ripping through you because of all of your thought process, and when training has stepped in in Christ, and He begins to work out His peace in you as you trust Him to make you more and more like Christ through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you actually begin to maximize your talents. You know, uh, uh, when people live minimum lives or 40% of their ability, it's usually because their mind is on a billion other things other than the one who gave them that ability to be honored with. There's only one way to maximize your talent. Where you're not letting fear dictate that leg. But it's the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding. And so every anxious thought gets an opportunity, because we're going to get anxious thoughts, even today. We all are. What do we do with that anxious thought? The Bible tells us to take every thought captive under the obedience of Christ. And that's what he's talking about. That freed him up to deliver the leg. Now, it's up to God at that point. As he wants the ball to go this way, that way, this way, it's in the hands of God. And whichever way it goes, I praise the Lord. So, I I appreciate that, um, Lane. And I think that's another level of maturity that these, these guys are talking about. It's not just understanding the Word, reading the Bible study. It's being able to be a doer of the Word, as it says in the book of James, to apply it to a field goal kick, of all things, and everything else that you do give Elaine a hand. Appreciate that. Oh, lastly, Ashland's baby boy has uh, become a big guy right now. Uh, ben, uh, starting defensive uh, lineman for us, um, a guy that that has become a team leader in, in a lot of respects. I know he gets asked to speak a lot, but well, I'll tell you what, I've had some great studies with Ben as I have all three of these guys. and Ben's got a, just like the, the other two here, he's got a great heart. He's always looking to, to read something else. Let's coach, let's study this, let's do that. And I don't force any of this on them, but but Ben, uh, again, hungry. The Bible says this, and Jesus said this on the Sermon on the Mount, um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so, when you're hungry and you're opening the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit is teaching you how to interpret that word and then live it out. There's a whole lot of power that comes. But I'll tell you what else comes with that. More appetite. I want more. I don't have enough. It's like eating one potato chip out of the bag. You can't do it. you got to have more. Before you know it, the whole bag's gone. That's how the word of God is. So, Ben, um, let's just talk about, uh, first of all, growing up here. What was happening in your life as a young child, and then all of a sudden Barry comes into your life? Uh, You've shared that with me before, but just kind of remind your town folks. What was going on in your life back then?
4: Yeah, um, I think just growing up, um, faith was always a part of my life. Um, Kind of similar to to Ryan, I didn't necessarily own my faith. Um, It was something I I always knew about, um, but never really owned it until... Um, I started going to FCA um, and really just gave my life to Christ there. That was the first time, I'd say, uh, probably about my freshman or sophomore year in high school um, and really just began to own my faith and um, made it something that, that was important to me and I, I wanted to devote my life to and, and grow in and continue to grow in. Um, and so, yeah, just without Barry, that definitely never would have happened. Um, so I can't thank him enough for that. Ben, what, what, what did,
1: what, what was, was there a particular day? I know sometimes we can overdo it with, oh, when did it actually happen and so forth. But was there a particular time? What, how old were you? What grade were you in? There's a lot of young people here today who think, ah, I don't have to worry about that stuff until I'm Coach Brown's age, in his sixty. You know, but, but untrue, is that is. No, I'm in my sixties, but untrue for you to wait. Uh, ben, what, what, what kind of age range was things? Hit, hit you, the reality of Christ.
4: Yeah, um, so definitely early high school. Um, I, I guess I would say um, if you're younger than that now, um, it, you, you don't have to be that old, I guess. It just took me that long until someone came into my life um, to point me to the, the true gospel. Um, but really, that that was the day forward where I, I repented for my sin and de- turned away from sin and started walking towards christ and that doesn't mean i still don't stumble now i still don't um have problems now um in my maturation process with um you know growing growing in unison with christ um it's it's definitely not always an an upward slope you know it is rocky um, up and down but um just turning away from from sin and, and um wanting to repent of your sin when you do something wrong um, just feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit inside of you when you do, um, when you do sin, just to, to turn away and repent from it um, and just believe in, believe in Christ. That was um, the, the biggest thing for me, I guess, um, and when I was uh, in my younger ages of high school.
1: Yeah. So, so, Ben, um, I think of Jesus when he was 12 years old. He took off from the pack, <laughs> went to the temple, started hanging out with big dogs in there. And and started debating uh, about the word and a variety of other issues in life. And mom and dad were like, and so they were like, what, "What are you doing? We lost you here. You're our little boy." But Jesus said, "Don't you know I need to be about my Father's business?" And at some point, we don't stay little kids any very very long. As we come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, um, you know what we we. We can't just say, well, you know what, i got to go through adolescence. i got to go through this process and that process. We don't have to become like every other teenage kid. Um, talk to us a little bit about, you, you know, one of the things that's really important to you is maturity, discernment. What are you doing to be about your father's business on a regular basis?
4: Yeah, um, so Coach Brown mentions maturity and um, your faith, and I think that's something um, that's... Easier talked about but um, how do you or how do you have something tangible to um, I guess measure that and uh, a good way that It was laid out for me. is just how much time you you spend between thinking about Christ throughout your day So you wake up in the morning and maybe you have your Bible study in the morning um, Then you go up throughout your whole day um, And then maybe you have your nighttime prayer, right? And, and that's a start, right? It might be um, You don't think about him except once every, every Sunday, right, or twice a week. Um, and with the ultimate goal, just being walking with Christ in every step of your life, everything that you do, um, that, that's the ultimate goal. So just how much time are you spending between where you're not thinking about Christ and not incorporating Christ into your everyday life, um, just being able to decrease that time um, any way possible to, be, to get to the point where you ultimately are um, at the point where you're walking with Him in every step of your life. Um, and kind of how they're talking about Colossians 3.23, just um, doing everything in your life uh, heartily under the Lord. Uh, and for us, that, that includes, you know, a lot of that includes workouts and uh, on, on the field. Um, I don't know how many of you, Barry, can relate to this, but just when you're out there on the field with 90,000 people out there, um, it's probably the one of the most difficult times in your life. You're, you're as tired as you can be um, to focus on the Lord in that moment, right? you got a million things going through your mind, um, and that's where just your your time that you've spent with the Lord off the field, the preparation you've put in, um, it's, it's not just going to happen. Um, if you if you go out there on the field, don't spend uh, your daily time with the Lord, um, and then you go out there on the field with, under all that pressure, and you expect uh, just to be able to maximize your heart for Christ out there. It's not going to happen. So it's really, we're just like sponges. Um, everything we put into our sponge um, the music we listen to, the people we surround ourselves with, the, the reading of the Word, um, if we don't fill our sponges up with that during the week, um, and then when we're under pressure out there on the field, uh, it's, it's not, that's not what's going to come out. So um, I guess just trying to get in the Word, um, spend time with the Lord, uh, that's the best way to get to know Him and the best way for that to come out of your sponge when, you, when you're under pressure good answer, Ben. I I think back when Barry
1: played, back in the mid-80s, late-80s, I first came to Nebraska in 87, I just met Barry. Um, we were a top-five team in the country. Every year. Top-five in the country. Hadn't won a national championship since the early 70s, so a lot of you were getting antsy, but we, we were we, we were a top-five team. And eventually, uh, we won some more games and uh, ended up Going through the 90s, there with uh, you know we went to we won three national championships in four years. Became the most dominant team in college football. Uh, people here, guys, as you know, because you guys all grew up in Nebraska, uh, the expectation level is really high. So our record now has not reflected that, Ben, and you know that. You talk about pressure. You talk about 90. You, know, you guys have all talked about 90. Thousand people and all that, and the pressure, the media, and all of that. Um, talk to us a little about that. How do you think God views win-loss records? Um, how does He view competition? What kind of attitude should we have? Do we not care? I mean, talk to us a little bit about that.
4: Yeah, um, kind of just go into. Um, Lane mentioned it a little bit, but um, when we're on the field and I guess doing doing our work heartily under the Lord, doing everything in our power to um, give our full effort. Um, the, the win-loss record isn't what's important to Christ, right? Um, what's important to Him is us giving our all for Him, competing um, for Him. And, and clearly, we obviously want to win. Um, it's definitely important to us. Um, and, but we can't, we can't find our identity in that. Um, if you try to find your identity in something of this world, whether it's football, it's money, um, nice things, whatever it is, you're always going to be on a roller coaster ride up and down, right? So really just the the only steady thing, um, the one steady thing in my life that I can count on, um, is is Christ. And to keep me even keel, um, and if if you work, I'm trying to find that in my family or my playing ability, um... At some point in time, that's gonna fail me. Um, so really, it's just looking to looking to Christ um, and, and doing doing going all out for Him.
1: Yeah, you know I appreciate that, Ben. I I think about this. You know, if we were to we could point the thumb at us and say, yep, yeah, we're not a top five team. But then we'll go this way and go, are you the top five in the country in what you do? Are all the kids here all valedictorians? Um are here? Is everybody here the most likely to succeed in the in the um, album book, the high school album, the photo book? Now we we're we're all kind of a mess, and yet we want to hold everybody else to a high level of account. And so, I guess what I want to say is God's definition of success is different than ours, and I think we're learning that as we study the scriptures. So. Ben, I just want to kind of close it up here with you on uh, discipleship. We've we've used that term. Um, Jesus once said, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, Jesus Christ, when he came to this earth, (laughs) had nowhere that anybody really appreciated him. They crucified him. We crucified him. Not just those radicals on the left. Well, those people over there, or that, no, we, we crucified Jesus Christ, the very people around him. And so, Ben, talk to me a little bit about what discipleship looks like, particularly in terms of that that, that new definition of success that Christ would want you to have.
4: Yeah, um, so, I guess, uh, discipleship, what it looks like on the... On the team uh, around us, um, us three, um, and several other guys on the team, um, just really sharing with sharing with guys, um, sharing with guys on the team about. Uh, it's not always necessarily a direct conversation, right? It might be kind of how Coach Brown was talking about Barry always having a smile on his face um, when he's playing football. Um, whether it's just effort on the field, um, I mean, honestly, that's that's a Probably one of the biggest and not the easiest uh, things to do, but um, I think that's one of the most notice- noticeable things um, to other guys on the on the field is when you just see a guy that's just nonstop, an effort guy. Because um, wh- what we do, um, I mean, is it's dang near a year-round job, and so there, you're going to have days where you just don't feel like um, you don't feel like you have it that day, and, and your body just doesn't feel like you have the the effort, the energy that day. But when you're, not, when you're not relying on your own physical being and your own physical power, and you're relying on Christ um, and just knowing what you can do with Him, uh, you don't have to. You don't have to feel that pressure, I guess, to uh, bring the energy every day. Because um, when you're doing it for Christ, uh, it, it's just that much. It's that much easier, and it's that much. Uh, you're that able to do it that much more. Um, so I guess that's. That's a big thing for me that I've seen uh, since I've been at the university.
1: Well, Ben, you know, guys, Jesus once said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added. And I I think that would be true about the win-loss record and about things that we can't control for. If we're seeking those things that are right in the eyes of Christ and they're really important first fruits in his life, being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, setting a culture that is Christ-centered, being able to distinguish between spiritual balls and spiritual strikes, be able to say, that's a ball, that's that's not of Christ, and that's a strike, that is of, uh, is of Christ. Being able to do that, that discernment is really most important uh, to them. And I think a couple other things, guys, um, that these guys would agree with is that prayer is so powerful. The effectual fervent prayer for a righteous man avails much, the Bible says. So sometimes it isn't just having to say something to somebody. Sometimes it's, Lord, I don't quite know what to say to you. But Lord, I'm going to start praying because he's on my mind. And maybe God had you cross your path with that guy today so that you would start praying because God is the one who initiates prayer anyhow, authentic prayer. God puts the Bible says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you His desires. Amen. He'll start giving you His desires to pray back to Him so that He can answer it and turn it into fruition. That's powerful, man. Amen. That's a powerful thing. And then, of course, um, uh, having an ulterior motive. That sometimes sounds sneaky, but an ulterior motive means, uh, yeah, we're, we're getting ready to do a block and drill here, but I'm looking at something far greater than this block and drill. In, in the midst of this block and drill, I'm looking at the Lord Jesus Christ for this and that reason. So it's, it's having a motive that's much higher than just getting ahead on this earth. Because that'll just limit you. But anyhow, uh, these guys, uh, they're near and dear to me. Uh, you just need to know that they have there's so much more to say. We don't have time to say it now. But I love the fact that these guys are hungry. They're not sitting around, rolling over, playing dead. They do have an ulterior motive. It is to know Christ and to make him known across this great state. And there's no other state like Nebraska when it comes to college football. It's the only Division I school. There's no pro team. And these guys have a platform. And they're willing to use it. So I appreciate them coming out today. And I'll share just a couple other things, and then we'll be done. Let's give these three guys a hand, please. a couple things here I just wanted to uh, share with you all uh, before we close and there are a lot of pastors, scholars out there and I've been trying to listen to people mostly I try to listen to the word of God and, and as the Holy Spirit directs me to interpret that word in its context Uh, But sometimes it's helpful to listen to other people who have been around the block, who are studying the word. Uh, A guy like John MacArthur, I've gotten to know him over the years, Pastor MacArthur out in uh, Southern California. For example, a couple of things that he has said has really struck me. He has said that he really thinks that because of what's happened here in America with the COVID and the, the social structures falling down and the the radicalism, and the arrogance, and the you name it, the fighting that's going on around our nation, the discombobulence, he really believes that we are, America, is under judgment from God, Amen. based on Romans chapter 1, Amen. and I've heard him share that. And just so, and if you're not a big MacArthur fan, you're not such a reformist, maybe you're more of a grace theologian. But I've heard Tony Evans say the same thing. And and, I, and, I, and I'm thinking that, I think these guys are on to something. Uh, things have happened so rapidly, so fast, so worldwide, and so intensely. I mean, this was all kind of happening before, but boom, has it come to a head. And God has done this in the past. As I was reading through the Old Testament, I remember uh, reading about David in 2 Samuel as he came back to Jerusalem the second time after he had been booted out because of his sin, he comes back, and now there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a plague or pestilence in the land for three years. You know, we've only been going through this for six months, really. Doesn't it seem like three years, though? Man, it seems like a long time. But, you know, it really hasn't been that long. But it's been intense. And I think particularly since things have happened so rapidly it's important so to to look into the scriptures and I look through the New Testament as well and I want to read this to you because we're going, our our discipleship group um, not just these guys but a bunch of other guys too we're actually going through the book of uh, 2nd Timothy now, we just started the other day I'm taking these guys through 2nd Timothy and there's something about a last letter this was Paul's last letter to the church, to the world. He's in a cell. He's imprisoned again. And the first letter that he wrote to Timothy was where he kind of knew he was getting out. But this one, he realizes, it ain't happening. I'm to my doom. He's about ready to lose his life. Has anyone you know has lost their life or sent you a last letter? And think about if you knew somebody was going to die, somebody near and dear to you was going to die, wouldn't you strongly consider that last letter, particularly somebody you respect? Well, that's young Timothy. Young Timothy, leading the church of Ephesus, was probably in his early 20s, maybe his late teens. And now he's going to be a pastor. Are you kidding me? That's a tough enough job for, for an older man, let alone a, a, a kid. But Timothy is shaking in his boots, and, God, and Paul knows it in that cell. And Paul gets his mind off of himself in his own plight, and he says, Timothy, consider these things. Stand strong. God is not giving you a spirit of, power, of, of fear, but rather a power of love and a sound mind. Live out of that. That's how we want these guys to live. But I also want them to understand that you're going to have Paul's in your life, boys, and, and you should be a Timothy, and you, But you also ought to be a Paul. It's time for you guys to start sharing and discipling guys on the team, guys in the community, people in, in life who are looking to you because you're growing in your faith. We should all be a Paul and a Timothy. And even when you're an old guy like me, I've got some Pauls in my life too. I've got Pauls in my life because huh, I need to be held to account. So I want to just read uh, just, a, just a portion of chapter 3, if you can bear with me just a little bit here. Uh, he's telling Timothy, but realize this, Timothy, that in the last days, now when he says the last days, he's talking about from the time that Jesus first came to earth until the time he returns. Now we don't know when he's going to return. Could be soon, could be tonight, could be another 2,000 years. We don't know. And if anybody tells you they know, don't listen to that. Amen. Amen. Because Jesus, he he told us that that date was not going to be revealed. But he will return. And it says, in these last days, difficult times will come. For men, now, I'm going to list a litany of things here. And I want you to just hear these. For men will become lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents ungrateful unholy unloving irreconcilable malicious gossips without self-control brutal haters of good treacherous reckless conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god all right let's just stop there a minute i'm going to go back and read that list again now i want you to think about all those things those were things that were pretty difficult things to say and and to hear but they're true and so he's telling you timothy it's true now our natural temptation is to go, yeah, I know people like that. Those people over there. Those people. And it's all kind of hit the fan here, particularly during this pandemic time. So we have, we're have we doing a lot of this. We're not doing much of that. So I want to ask you, I want to read the list again. I want you to think, first, first time I go through this again, I want you to think about your friends or people you know who are on the radical left. We'll just call it the left for now. The radical left. Alright, so think about that. Uh, Think about if this fits. Lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Let me read this next uh, verse holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Alright? i bet you some of you thought about some people that you know on the left that go, yeah, that fits. Mm Mm-hmm. That really fits. Now I want you to think about your buddies on the right, whatever the right is. Your political right. You're on the right side. And I'm going to read the list again and see what fits. For men, will become lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, and then Paul says this avoid such men as these. Right? People on the right? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know that too. How about me? I know you are you're that way, but I also know I'm that way too. Is it possible that God could use people who are really wicked? Let's say on the left to discipline people who are not so wicked on the right. Yeah, that's exactly right. God did. You read through 52 chapters of the book of Jeremiah, that's exactly what the book's about. And the lonely weeping prophet is telling all the good guys, you keep pointing your finger at the Babylonians and you don't understand why you're being attacked, but really, you called the Babylonians to the table. And God is using the wicked Babylon to tell you that you, as a follower of Him, are wrong. And He also did that with Habakkuk in those three chapters. Just a short book in the Old Testament. Habakkuk's like the question mark guy. God. God, why us? Why are you? Why are you sending all this to our good land? <laughs> and God's saying, because of your wickedness. Will God discipline His people with people who are even? More wicked who don't even know him. Yes, he will. Amen. Does he do that today? Am I? Listen, I'm not sitting up here acting like I'm a prophet. But it sure seems like that very well could be happening. And also, if God's going to dedicate 55 books of the old, excuse me, chapters of the Old Testament to talk to us about that, I think we ought to take it seriously. So Let's not just point the index finger in times like this, as these guys are talking about, guys in the locker room who don't know Christ, but let's point the thumb too. What about our greed? Our arrogance? Our victory dances? Look at me. What about our reviling? Disobedience to parents. Some of you children here at times are probably disobedient to your parents. You think God's not upset with that? Of course he is. But it's a beautiful thing. Guys, use the word today. Repent. We will confess our sins. Christ will forgive us if we know Christ is thinking, Lord. You, you, the, the penalty of your sin has already been paid for. It's not about losing your salvation and getting back in again. It's about, no, Lord, this does not represent the identity that you've given me in Christ. Man, I am arrogant. I am greedy. I'm not, I'm not tearing down statues, I'm not burning flags, I'm not taking knee, knees, I'm not doing this, I'm not stealing, I'm not committing adultery, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, I'm not uh, robbing banks, but boy am I jealous, man am I greedy, and man am I always accusing somebody else, and boy am I cowardly, because I won't stand up and profess your name, because I'm afraid of getting in trouble, Amen. Not here, bro. so, I've had to look at all that these last six months myself say, Ron Brown, you stand accused. How about you? I do too, Brian. Take that index finger for a while and use the thumb instead. and search my heart to see if there be any wicked way in me. Amen. Then confess and repent. Repent means to turn the direction you're going. Let Jesus intercept your life at that spot and move in his direction. That's all we have time for today. Listen, uh, it's just some food for thought. Go through the scriptures. You know, the Bible says, uh, like the Berean church, go back, read the Bible, see if these things that you've heard this morning from us four be so. Four false prophets, which Paul was getting Timothy ready for, Apostasy, he was telling Timothy, Timothy be ready. And then the final thing Paul says, people have a form of godliness. They look godly. Everybody here looks godly this morning. But are you denying the power that Ben talked about inside of that sponge? What's inside? When you get squeezed, you can tell what's inside. Because that's what comes out. Bad language, bad thoughts, bad lifestyle, revenge, Jealousy, all of that, is a reflection that something is wrong inside. Have you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior Lord? Or have you just been going to church, kind of doing it because your parents said, or because that's the godly thing to do? Are you just having a form of godliness, denying the power and the reality of Jesus Christ? Come to Christ today. Fall on your face today, whatever that looks like, and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. I am willing to turn from my life going this direction and walk with you forever and ever. I'm going to trade my sinful, rotten, stinky life for your brand new, perfect, resurrected life. So you have an opportunity. If you know Christ, is saving the saving Lord, you have another opportunity today. Fall on your face before Him and say, "Yes, Lord, <laughs> refresh me." refresh me with my sin and my waywardness and let's get back on no more guilt trips, let's just get back on board and keep moving let me pray Father we just thank you for this morning, thank you for these people who have come out today to be a part of uh, this day with players from our team but really Lord it, it isn't about the exaltation of any of that these young men here love you and they want to give, they don't want to receive. Better to give than to receive. We've received all that we need from you, Father. Your resurrected life and now it's time to overflow. So Father, we just thank you for that. Thank you for the people that are here, that have poured into these young men in a variety of different ways, either literally or through prayer, even today. Father, I just pray that you would do business with each and every one of us, that we would be about our Father's business because of Jesus, God the Son, and in the power of God the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen.
5: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, hey, are you guys encouraged? Yeah. Are you challenged? Yeah. Ron, every time you come, brother, I have no doubt that you're going to do both of those things, encourage us and challenge us, so thanks for the word that you guys gave. Um, thanks for Kingdom Sports uh, for, for lining this up. Uh, Ron, thanks for coming, guys. Thanks for coming and sharing your testimonies. Um, I'm excited because I've got my my little kids out here, and, and I'm excited for them to hear from you guys, uh, men who are kind of out in, in between the, the hash marks, and you guys are living it for Christ. So thanks for the picture of what maturity and growing in the maturity looks like um, for my kids and also for the other kids that are out here as well who look to you guys as role models and as people who are just living it out. So thanks for coming. Um, So, guys, would you give uh, Kingdom Sports and these guys just a round of applause for coming? So, if you don't mind, I'm going to pray for you guys. And uh, go ahead, and if uh, you can, go ahead and just kind of reach your arm out to these guys. Pray over them as we pray. Um, This is their first stop. Um, They've got some other... gigs i don't know what you call, what you call it? other spots lined up uh, throughout the next couple of weeks but as they said earlier um they don't know if those will happen or not uh, lord willing for their sake and their testimony they get the opportunity to share it on the grid line um but if not they'll continue doing this on sunday morning so uh, pray for the stops that they have but if it's not a stop there at another church it's going to be a stop on the grid lines on saturday so uh, let's pray for them and god's word to keep going out through them father i'm going to uh, thank you for these men thank you, father. Thank you for ron thank you for these three. Thank you for the testimony that you've worked in their lives. There's no man who stands up here and there's no man or woman or child who sits out here that doesn't stand condemned outside of your son, Jesus. And these men have trusted Jesus. They've trusted him for their life. They've stepped into him and they're growing into the maturity they have in Christ. And I am going to pray their testimony over our congregation for those who haven't yet trusted in Jesus Father that they would be encouraged to follow these men's example for the kids who are here that they might see that there are other people who are learning to live in this life of Christ who are putting on his life and growing into the maturity of a brother and a sister in Christ so I pray for our little ones who haven't yet made a decision for Jesus and that today might even be the day that they do that or if it's not today, that they can look back to a moment where this encouraged their faith. Father, I want to pray for the men who are in uh, out here in this parking lot this morning. God, that you would take the men and challenge their hearts to lead their families if they're if they're leading a family, to challenge their co cowork- to lead them to challenge them to lead in their co coworker space. Father, for our single guys, that they would use this as an opportunity to live solely and just pointedly for their Savior. Father, I want to pray for the ladies that we have here as well, God, that this would be an encouragement to pursue Jesus with everything that they have in their heart, everything that they have in their soul. Father, that there would be nothing of an identity that's found in somebody else, but they would find their identity in Christ. I pray that for everybody here, that their identity be found in Christ. I pray for the stops that these men have along the way. God, that you would already be preparing hearts and, and laying down groundwork for the message that you've put inside of each one of them. And Lord, uh, if, if it's your will and they make it out to the field, I pray that this testimony, as, as Ron said, would would resonate between the hash marks from, from the 5, the 10, the 15, the 20. I pray that this would resonate in the locker rooms and in the classrooms, and Lord, that people would come to know Jesus because of their lives, because of you working and speaking through them, and just the testimony of living through them. So Lord, use this morning, the words that have been spoken, the way that your spirit is moved in a way that encourages our hearts, moves us closer to you, and is glorifying to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you so much, so much for coming. Amen. Have a great week, guys.